Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the AltMed podcast here with my co-host Mitch Kurtz, as always in the house. Welcome, Mitch. And it's our pleasure to have from High on Hemp, it is the one and only Tegan Skates. Welcome to the podcast, Tegan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Um, I really, I raced home to get to get to this one. <laughs> Just been out running. Um, for those listening, you can't see, but um, I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, bit exasperated, um, but very excited to be here. We've got so many questions to run through. And while I catch my breath, I'm going to throw to Mitch because I'm sure he's going to ask the first few. So I'm yeah, just- I'm feeling very excited about this week. I've got my new headphones, my new microphone. I'm feeling like Martin Lane and just excited to hear <laughs> what uh, Tegan has to say in audio 3D, if that's a thing. Um, so Tegan, we'd love to know a little bit about your journey. Tell the people at home and in the industry that listen a little bit about high on hemp and a little bit how you got here. Yeah, sure. Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me. Um, I don't feel as pro in my little Apple headphones here in comparison to you, but. You're halfway good. between, Andrew's got nothing, so. Yeah. <laughs> I've got these little, um, I can pop these. Little in. range. Yeah. Anyway. Little range. <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of how I started. So I started working in the industry in 2014 um, when I walked my first hemp crop. I just never looked back, to be completely honest. Um, I went down a bit of a random road. Um, I wanted to start a hemp clothing company, a sportswear company called Ivy Moss, very random. and spent about a year researching textiles and sustainability um, and then got to the end of the journey and realized that nobody knew anything about hemp. Um, So it was just, I guess, um, a no-brainer for me to start an educational platform, which is exactly what High on Hemp is. Um, So um, over that period, I spent a lot of time traveling and meeting with, um, I guess, experts in this space. And, you know, at the same time, while educating others, educating myself on the process. So, and that was everything. So that was from, you know, industrial hemp all the way through to, everything medicinal cannabis really. Um, So now we essentially operate as um, an educational platform in which we have a large on and offline uh, community base, um, specifically with a lot of women in it. Um, And essentially we use that platform to educate, but to also collect data. um, So to understand what consumers know, what they don't know, what they wanna learn more about. And we use that because behind the scenes, we operate as a full serviced digital agency. So we work with um, brands here in Australia from manufacturers, producers in the medicinal cannabis space, um, all the way through to brands in the hemp space across food, fashion, homewares and yeah everything in between awesome so you're the the ones responsible for making everything look good yeah basically and sounding good looking good sounding good and yeah um but as you know you know there's a lot to learn about in this space right um so yeah fantastic you kind of like i'm so as far as i understand it you're a bit of a like market intel for a lot of people operating in this space so you're the sort of the go-to for 
what trends we're seeing, what people actually are using products for, um, what they want to know about cannabis and hemp. Um, is that a sort of fair characterization? Yeah, absolutely. And we use that information to be able to build strategies for these brands that are trying to, you know, educate consumers, which are trying to sell to consumers as well, right? Um, and also in having an educational platform, you find out about a lot of the, um, I guess, roadblocks that consumers are having, whether that's accessibility, affordability, um, specifically, I guess, in the medicinal cannabis space. Um, yeah, and we use all of that information to be able to help um, these brands build and market their products to consumers, but also to doctors as well, because as we all know, that is a pretty big issue in the industry. Absolutely. Well, it might be interesting to, to hear maybe a few insights just at a very high level, obviously no trade secrets or anything like that, but, but maybe just some general. I'm, I'm happy to hear trade secrets. Yeah, all trade <laughs> secrets would be great, actually. I'm sure people would love that. Just throw some people under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> But, but if there are, you know, anything, what, what are you seeing in, in the industry as a whole generally? What are the, what's the kind of shift at the moment? I know um, it was kind of a slow uptake in Australia, but things are certainly starting to move faster than ever. And yeah, I'd just like to get your take on um, what's actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot happening. As you said, there's been a lot of change, especially over the last 18 months, right? So we've really came out of that infancy that we were in for a really long period and we're starting to come out of that as you know cannabis is becoming more acceptable and being seen as a legitimate treatment option however we're still a far, far away from you know where we'd like to be um i think in the industry more people are becoming more comfortable with speaking out about their use of cannabis and having the confidence to go speak to their doctor about cannabis um, as well. But I think accessibility as a whole is becoming a lot easier for patients and it's getting people away from the black market. I know that we will probably dive into that conversation a little bit later on, but that's probably one of the biggest changes that I've seen is people shifting their mentality from, you know, buying from their local dealer or from an online source to understanding why it's so important to support the legal industry and how it contributes to everything that we need so that we can change reform. Um, but yeah, I think just overall, the stigma is changing, um, accessibility is changing and overall that's, I guess, changing the narrative for this space. Absolutely. So you think we're sort of starting to become a little bit like early days, North America to some degree where, where, you know, you would say the Californian model, you'd go and you'd get your medical card and you'd kind of access legal in the same way you might instead of your black market yeah yeah definitely I think that um look we're we're still a little bit behind right um but at the same time yeah I think just like the narrative is changing right is that there was a lot of stigma behind cannabis and people speaking out about their use especially for women right um and especially for women to have the confidence to be able to even go into their you know their doctor or their GP to have that conversation about cannabis, right? I mean, two years ago, I mean, even now still sometimes I'm speaking with people that 
feel like they don't have the confidence to go and have that conversation with their doctor that they're going to be judged or they're going to be um, stereotyped as a stoner, right? Um, So they really depend on, you know, educational portals like ours and I guess podcasts like these to be able to fill them with like the confidence that they need and the, I guess, the resources that they need so that they can feel um, that they can have that conversation with their doctor. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that women's health is, is definitely one of your uh, sweet spots, if you like, um, something you've got a lot of experience with. And, and how do you see that beyond just maybe getting the confidence to speak to doctors? How do you see the role of cannabis in women's lives in, uh, well, I guess it could have been traditionally, but also going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just funny because, I mean, it's been (laughs) a part of our bloodline for centuries, right? I mean, cannabis isn't new news to to women. I mean, people, you know, Queen Victoria was using it um, for when she was having painful periods, right? Um, I think that um, obviously, once again, the stigma holds a lot of women back from using it, but also as well is that, I think that overall people are just becoming more confident in speaking about conversations that have been super taboo. So like, you know, painful sex, like painful periods, all of these conversations that people um, weren't, I guess, having out loud and cannabis kind of falls into that and how cannabis is playing a role in helping women that have painful periods, that have or have experienced painful sex because of, you know, their, you know, symptoms or situation that they deal with. For example, a space that we concentrate on um, and we have a lot of following in is um, the endometriosis community. Um, And we just ran a poll actually two weeks ago and we had over 500 women come in on the poll which was incredible and we spoke to them about you know what cannabinoids are working best for them what delivery methods are working best for them and if anything we are seeing that cannabis is improving the quality of people's lives right um not just their symptoms because these women it's it's one thing to say, okay, it's, it's a painful period, right? Or it's just, you know, that time of the month that they're struggling. Like some of these women can't get out of bed on a daily basis. They can't yeah. socialize. They can't do some of the simplest tasks that healthy people take for granted. Um, and because of cannabis, um, they're able to, you know, be able to do those things. And in the process, you know, I guess remove some, other prescription pharmaceutical medications along the way, which gives people a lot of confidence. Yeah, I, I didn't really notice this. Um, I mean, you know, it's just ignorance on my part, but this part of the community in terms of endometriosis until I mm. really was in the cannabis space, in, especially in the CBD space. And there was, I kept seeing these Instagram accounts with women. There's like this endo warrior hashtag, I think. And there's people that dedicate, these Instagram um, profiles to talking about their story with endometriosis. And there seems to be this, this, this link between cannabis and endometriosis that um, I keep seeing on on a lot of, or, you know, this kind of, um, I want to call them a motif, but this, this cross section um, between the two. And, and yeah, that's how I, I I never knew about endometriosis until, you know, 
you know, more recently in, in the last kind of five, six years. So, yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's new to everyone, right? I mean, I was completely naive to it considering one in 10 women have endometriosis. And I think as well that a lot of people don't realize is that it can take up to 15 years for someone to be diagnosed with endometriosis. So the only way you can have a diagnosis is through surgery, which is just wild. Um, and there's a lot of, yeah, it's wild. Um, there's, you know, not enough research in this space. Um, you know, just like anything cannabis related, we're, you know, always working on anecdotal information. However, there is, you know, researchers doing more and more in this space. There's been conversations around THC mitigating the cells, um, that, attribute to the growth of endometriosis um I don't want to dive too much into that because I'm not a doctor um or a researcher um but I think there is um definitely a space for cannabis in the endometriosis space as another tool for them to use right um in combination with pharmaceutical other pharmaceutical prescriptions or by itself because I don't want to rule out other pharmaceuticals because that's one of my biggest pet hates in the cannabis industry is that there's this like all or nothing narrative when it comes to cannabis. Like for some people, cannabis just doesn't sit well with them. It doesn't work for them. And we know that. We know that by, you know, things that we've seen individuals go through, right? Um, and I just think it's really important to know that it's not for everyone it can work for you or in combination with other pharmaceutical drugs which is why it's so important for people to go to legal absolutely well that's a good segue for um for black market and i i do i'm just putting this here as a placeholder i'm going to talk to you after that about i guess just the future direction of the market with all of your intel and insights um because i was having a conversation with someone today about how you know s3 um, for some people is the end game, but I don't see it that way. But we'll get to that in a second. I want to first talk about black market. Um, so black market medicinal cannabis, we know the reasons why people have um, traditionally looked to the black market to to help them with their medicinal cannabis needs. I mean, prior to 2016 or whenever Victoria legalized, um, that was often you know one of the only ways people could get it. Mm. Um, so People who use from the black market cite affordability. They cite lots of different reasons, but you're obviously an ardent supporter of, of legal um, medicinal cannabis use. Um, can you just share it with us maybe why you hold that position, what the dangers are in your eyes of, of black market products, some of the stories maybe that you've seen of people having adverse outcomes using black market products as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think overall, the legal route has been, I guess, crowned as this like laborious process, right? And that it's really difficult for people to access. And at one time it was, and that's why people have gone to the black market and people have been using cannabis illegally for years and years and years here in Australia, right? Um, However, what we've seen over the last couple of years is a lot of 
individuals coming into this industry with no knowledge of what they're selling because they are essentially importing product from overseas, which means that they haven't walked these labs, they haven't walked these processing facilities, they haven't walked the farms where this product is grown from, right? And they're importing it over to Australia and selling it to people that they have no understanding of, I guess, their medical history, right? Mm. Um, And at the end of the day, if you're not a doctor, you should not be selling a product which is a prescription product to another person well, it's um, prescription in australia i mean i'll play devil's advocate here some of them might argue well you know what it's got a low safety profile it's a, just a cbd yeah. oil why do i need to even have a doctor now that's of course low risk profile what's that <laughs> low risk profile <laughs> high safety profile would is, is that different yeah, yeah to a low safety profile you'd say just correcting that part the listeners so low risk high safety is that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you yeah yeah um so if it has low risks mitch it just means that there's not an, a chance of there being many risks that materialize so what i mean by that is just simply to say that if you if if it's not psychoactive say a cbd oil or something like that mm. then and it's and it's legal for that you know, I guess complementary use in other jurisdictions around the world. Mm. Why, why shouldn't I access it from the black market? Well, because you don't understand how that product is being made. So yes, it may not have any, you know, it, for example, it may have, you know, toxins in it. It may have heavy metals that are in the product that you just have no understanding of, or more than that, it may not actually have the cannabinoid ratio in there that you are looking for or that you need essentially, right? So about a year and a half ago, I teamed up with CBD Reviews um, with Stephen, um, who love I know Stephen. that you, yeah, love Stephen. Yeah. Such a great guy. Um, and yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, so he spent um, a long time actually testing a lot of these products. And I believe in the end we did six, he did 60 do. 62 products and I should have double checked the numbers because I haven't looked over it in like a year and a half but from what I remember one in six were not what they said they were in terms of cannabinoid content and one in nine of them had little to no cannabinoid content at all in it right so yes, yeah. I mean, in terms of the safety of that, um, you know, that's actually better easy. than I would expect in a weird way. Like, as in, when you're dealing with markets where you literally have no idea, I am surprised to learn that. Only well, only off the back of the TGA, I know there were very controversial results. But when they tested legal products, they said something like a third of them were not yeah, what well. they said they were. But yeah. I, I think the. The issue with black market, though, as well, is just the types of people that are, I guess, engaged in it. I know there's people who do wonderful work in that space who have been there longer than it's been legalized. And I don't want to knock on on any of those those people. But you've also seen, you know, organized crime, all these types of people coming to, you know, online CBD and that sort of thing. And it, it really does, in a lot of instances, seem like 
it's just a, there's a quick buck to be made. Is that sort of your experience as well? Absolutely. And that's what makes their marketing so predatory, right? Is that they are the ones who are spend, spreading the, I guess, lies to a certain degree that accessing cannabis is so difficult that you need us. You need to buy products from us because you're not going to get it from the legal market or and it's so expensive that you'll never be able to afford it. Even though if people actually knew the amount of money that they were paying for these products and importing them up at and then selling it at a premium, because that is the biggest issue is that more often than not, the CBD prices on the black market are on par with the legal I agree. Like when you actually like when you break down the milligrams per milli the the milligrams per milliliter, more often than not, we actually we did a study on it, a case study on it. I think the black market was thirteen cents, and the legal market was eleven cents. So it was actually cheaper to buy a product through the legal route. Mm. And you're right; it's the people who are selling it. I mean, there are people in Nimbin as an example, I'm just using them as an example, who have been selling and making, uh, you know, cannabis oils for longer than I've been alive. My issue isn't with them. My issue is with people who see this as a green rush, who have no experience in this space. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, on average, I think there's about easily 20 to 30 new brands popping up on social media on a monthly basis of people selling oils and you know other delivery methods like vape pens and suppositories they have no idea what they're selling Mm. absolutely zero they're selling it at a premium as well and yeah at the end of the day you just one thing that I always say, and it's it's very harsh, but when you support the legal system, you are supporting the future of this industry. When you are supporting the black market, you are literally funding someone's lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, and I can I, I can you know swallowing the CBD oil or is one thing, but I can imagine, especially for some women, a suppository form for you know of something that's potentially not what it purports to be sounds quite dangerous absolutely i have literally been on videos before saying do not stick anything in your vagina (laughs) that is not approved i have Uh been on my like account before and have said that to people because it is scary and they don't care about your health and wellness Mm. i mean you know it just yeah it um it's it's something that yeah, it, it it bothers me. Well, I'm thinking also about the fact, and I, I know that, um, you know, for a lot of our listeners that would be um, understandably uninitiated with regard to what the relevant standard is, but basically the regulator has what's called TGO 93 for those listening, which is it follows European quality standards for medicinal cannabis and it, it sets sort of maximum thresholds for some pretty dangerous stuff that you just wouldn't want in your oil, like um, foreign matter, um, toxins, these sorts of things. So if you are getting from the black market, that is a product that isn't required to meet that TGO 93 Australian quality standard. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't want to be sticking that oil anywhere, to be honest. Um but uh, te- te- technically, it would have to meet those standards. It just doesn't because they 
they don't. <laughs> right, it technically would. Yeah. Well, like technically, technically, it should be required to meet those standards. It just doesn't because it's black market, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's it's pretty vicious out there in terms of, as I said, you know, it is quite predatory the mm. marketing tactics that these people use and you know they are the ones that are educating people freely right because as we know given um you know the space from a legal point of view it's very very um slim um in regards to the resources and the education that legal companies can do right in terms of educating directly to the consumer um mm. because yeah. it is a prescription product they can't educate directly to the consumer, which is why black market has free reign and yeah. they're telling consumers it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too expensive. You know, we're different. And it's, um, so I, yeah, do, I just don't, how, how do I don't we change that it? People, <laughs> that's a question for the TGA. <laughs> I feel um, like I feel like for we should, example, we should get them on at some point, Mitch. By the way, we'll get um, yeah, John Skerritt or just someone senior from the uh, the TGA to, to jump on an episode. Anyway, would love that. Look, I mean, and I mean, it, it's understandable, right? I mean, they need to have rules in place so that people in the legal industry don't take advantage of people. You know, there is there's could be questionable people in the legal industry, right? Just as there is in the black market. Um, so being able to, you know, be very cautious of the way that we educate consumers is very, very important. However, right now we're seeing the black market really taking advantage of that. Um, and but once you- again, I mean, there's, there's a multitude of reasons Um that consumers shouldn't be going to the black market. And I think as well, something that I just want to quickly shine some light on is that, and going back to the question that you asked me before of playing devil's advocate and why people shouldn't just buy, you know, CBD, like who cares, right? Is that that drug to drug interaction is so important, right? And most people who are taking cannabis are taking other prescription medication and understanding how that works with your antidepressants or you know whether you're taking heart medication or whatever that may be sitting down and having a conversation with your doctor and understanding how that's going to interact is super important and i've learned that through having not only conversations with doctors but also from nurses who work in the emergency departments and they were saying how for example people have been taking unregulated cbd and how um, that's caused issues when they go under um, anesthetic it's an interesting point i don't know if you've heard about that um, but little things like that it's just really really important for people to go through the legal path and understand that in return they're getting a safe product because with the black market you just really don't know what you're getting yeah and i, I guess we're totally in support of that and we are just playing a little bit devil's advocate here but at the same time if you're the black market taking advantage of say instagram sales of cannabis could you not also brandish them with the same um kind of image of pushing and dispersing knowledge of especially things like cbd oil um 
which, you know, does have a lower risk profile if it is that. But in general, I feel like CBD has gotten this huge social media uh, kind of push from the masses, um, which has really raised the awareness of cannabis and also pushed for it potentially in some ways to be legalized. Um, yeah. It's it, at least to some degrees in Australia. I know, you know, CBD for child epilepsy was one of the defining factors in getting that across the line. So a lot of that awareness, I think, has come from these types of channels. Initially, that underground, that underbelly pushing it forward. So maybe it's not forever, but do you think that deserves some recognition or where do you sit on that type of thing? I mean, yes. I mean, has it? I mean, there's two sides of that, right? Is that, mm. yes, it's been great that you've seen, you know, influences and people start actually speaking out about CBD. But at the same time, that narrative has also pushed CBD to be this miracle oil, right? That you're going to take yeah. a drop and it's going to change your life. And we all know that that doesn't happen, right? Um, should cannabis be, or should CBD be legalized? Absolutely. But should it be regulated? Absolutely. And I think that that's the biggest issue at the moment. Um, it's great that people are speaking out about cannabis and that it's removing the stigma, um, especially CBD as well. But at the same time, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I get where you're going from. Maybe be. You know, it's just yeah, and I think it's about the right people speaking about it. I mean, I've worked in this industry for a very long time, and I still learn something new mm. every day. Mm. And I spend a lot of time, you know, speaking with experts and researchers and finding out the knowledge that I have that I can share with my community. Right people who are influencers as an example they don't have that knowledge mm. it's true that's how i feel about it um i want to ask you about <laughs> i want to ask you about the, i guess the the way that we've been boxed in then with the existing regulations that we have and although i joked before about having someone from the tga on the podcast i really uh every time we, we deal with them to try to get some guidance, it's always here is a block of text from our website that we're going to repurpose in an email for you. And yeah. if you you know need any help, you need to engage privately some regular, regulatory affairs consultants, which to be honest is pretty pathetic. Um, I think they need to take a, a much more active role as a regulator, but, um, mm. but look, they're the ones who effectively govern and, and sort of police the existing framework that we have. So one of the things that I wanted to know about is how you and your high on hemp advisory work, um, how do you deal with the uh, restrictions on advertising prohibitions? Um, and what are you kind of seeing on the horizon potentially that might help the legal market, um, you know, to, to come out of it, the situation we're in where education is such a difficult thing to achieve um, you know, and access can sometimes be a bit hard for some people, depending on who their first port of call is, whether it's a local GP who's maybe a bit conservative about CBD. Yeah, where, where do you, how do you, how do you advise your companies and where do you see it all going? Yeah, great question. Um, sorry, guys, I think my headphones have just died. Can you hear me? 
We can hear you loud and clear. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, one died. So we're good. We're <laughs> yeah. good. Um, <laughs> okay, so in terms of, I guess, the t- I, th- I should be careful about what I say right now, but I think that the TGA is still understanding their own rules and their own regulations. And that's what's made this very confusing for the legal industry. Um, I have sat on, you know, multiple of the multiple um, conferences that they've held about the the regulations and the guidance that they have, and it's very generalised. So what we're seeing is a lot of people taking risks in advertising, right? Mm. Because what's what's the harm you're gonna get what do you get an angry letter like yeah you get a you get and you get a slap on the wrist and also you know people are being a little bit cheeky about it right because they know that it's going to take six months Mm. for that letter to arrive so they're doing as much as they can to get enough market share and then uh, you know go from there i mean is there tactics that people are using um absolutely you can still do ads you can do google ads um there's guerrilla marketing um you know, (laughs) tactics as well. Um, But I guess there's clients that like to play by the rules and then there's others that like to colour outside of the box, as I like to say. Um, So (laughs) um, I guess when we, we come in and we consult with clients, we use our history of what we've done with previous clientele and to see what's worked and and what hasn't, right? Mm. Um, And what has also been a a red zone for the TGA and where we've, you know, had difficulties and then also dealt with, um, not dealt with, but also worked on strategies that have been in the clear of the TGA, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like this. This is very coy, but I I think what you're saying is you've had some involvement both inside and outside the box. And so, yeah. And and for what it's worth, I mean, yeah, you're totally right about the TJ. And I I know they're um, under-resourced. They're learning the rules as they go. Um, I think, yeah, one of the, the issues really is, I mean, aside from sometimes the response times that it can take for a simple query, it's just, if you you guys are sort of responsible for policing these advertising um, rules, you know, don't tell me to go and talk to a regulatory affairs consultant. You guys are the regulator. Like it's, it's not good enough if you're not able to, to do that job. Um, That's that's certainly, they don't have time to even, you know, police their own rules Mm. yeah absolutely and that's why a lot of these industry bodies or industry you know um non-for-profits end up somehow becoming regulatory bodies it's it's very strange in a way um and you've probably you know i've i've personally seen that um along the way um and also you know other media outlets calling out you know different companies for doing things um which is strange again um but we'll let that one go (laughs) but um yeah look um yeah the tga are navigating their own waters and at the same time i think that they i feel like they also put themselves in this position the moment they asked 
people to dub in one another. Mm. Yeah, I and I and and that's the thing. And depending on, oh, sorry, yeah. you go. No, but that's what they did. You're right. That's exactly yeah. what they did. Is that you know they asked people to you know take anonymous complaints. And the saddest thing is, and in my experience, is I have seen them absolutely rip apart legal companies for doing the most making simple mistakes simple errors you know for example you know having a photo of a cannabis plant on their website and someone's being hit with a cease and desist letter from the tga while the black market they run wild most Mm. of what's happening in the black market i'm calling out (laughs) yeah or you know people in my community or other you know other people within the community who are fed up with being you know as again you know being you know just attacked by black market companies and being sold crappy product are just standing up right and saying something and yeah it's just it's disappointing sometimes that the legal industry who should have more power in educating the consumer can't and the black market's doing that yeah that's and, a good point yeah it's it's yeah. um you would think that there would be uh, like a chain of priorities where right at the very top you know that the the ones to be going after are the ones who are effectively they've not <laughs> submitted to the tga here are some products that i would like to sell and you know, where they're un- unapproved therapeutic goods for your purposes. And here's my declaration of conformity with TGO 93. There's none of that. Um, I, I, you would think that that would be a priority, but yes, yeah, as, as you say, there are companies you might get just one thing wrong and, and then they get hit with a letter. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we really need to see those priorities um, normalized, I think. Um, yeah. I wanna, well, uh, there's also, yeah, yeah there's, I feel like they're also concentrating on the wrong things. Mm. I mean, you know, plant images on a website. Um, You know, there was conversations around the words medicinal cannabis not being able to be used, which is why now you see a lot of companies using plant-based therapies. Why the word medicinal cannabis couldn't be used considering cannabis is in most company names is... Well, it all comes back to the language, I think, is does it promote or uh, does it promote the use or supply of that therapeutic good? And my question is, does a pictorial representation of a cannabis plant really achieve that feat? I I think they're, and anyway, it's an interesting test case. Um, Yeah. Well, the, the, the TGA have deemed advertising to be anything that could make the consumer consider medicinal cannabis as a treatment option is deemed advertising. Right. So if I see a pictorial representation of a syringe, I might suddenly consider taking heroin. Is that I'm I'm trying to actually follow the um the chain of logic here. But this is Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's it's your face <laughs> is exactly what I think most people's were like when we were on the TGA's advertising. Yeah. Um yeah, some people think I just got back year. from a run, but I'm actually just <laughs> deeply embarrassed about some of the positions that the TGA takes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have been um, this whole time we've been talking. Um, haven't gone for a run in years. Um, I was going to ask you about S3 over the counter. So obviously it's kind of 
framed around this holy grail moment in the industry when people won't need a doctor's intervention in order to access high CBD products. So 98% or more CBD for those who are wondering. Um, What's your take on this? Do you feel like it is the game changer that some people think it's going to be, or is it a stepping stone to something else that you want to tell us about? Like, how do you see it all? Yeah, look, um, to be honest, I haven't really thought much about it. Um, (laughs) Probably a bad answer to give. But yes, I think that it is a stepping stone. Um, I think that it's better than, I guess, there's a lot of questions around it being researched, right? And making sure that at the end of the day, I'm for the consumer and I'm always about the consumer and making sure that whatever product goes to market um, isn't being, is being sold to them knowing that this is going to help them and this is going to work for them. So I think that if they can get it right, um, then I'm all in support of it. Um, But at the same time, I still feel like there should be that doctor element there just in the beginning. I don't know. That's my point of view. What about, okay, um, I'm going to throw something else at you just because we're, we've got you in a bit of the, the hot seat situation. I will let you jump <laughs> into the question, Mitch. Do you think that even for like schedule eights, like THC, for example, um, mm-hmm. dominant medicine, do you, do you think that if, because you see that the process to have an over-the-counter is that the company that wants to provide that has to put that particular dose um, subject to all the TGA parameters, 150 milligram mm. maximum a day, all that sort of stuff. Um, they have to put that through a clinical trial to demonstrate safety, quality, efficacy, all of that. Do you think that there should be a way in which a consumer or, or a patient rather can just give informed consent and when I say informed consent, I mean, they might not, the, that particular product might not have been through all of those trials. But if a mm. patient is aware of the risks, if they're told that, well, this is a THC dominant oil, or maybe it's a one-to-one CBD THC, this will have psychoactive properties that affect your, you know, do you mm. think that that should be sufficient to enable somebody to access it without seeing a doctor? Or do you still think that for certain types of medicinal cannabis, they have to have that doctor there? I think it's dependent on their condition. Mm. I think that's something that is incredibly important. If you're using it in just a adult use sense, then I think that's a completely different conversation. But I think when you're dealing in a, yeah, absolutely. Um, But at the same time, I mean, people don't understand ratios. They don't understand cannabis. I mean, we, we're sitting on this conversation when we're speaking like we under, that this is normal. This isn't normal for most people, right? They don't understand the ins and outs of it. And that was probably the most concerning thing about, you know, the, I guess the S3 product and it being a low dose and, you know, getting people to understand that process of understanding that, hey, this may not work for you, which is why, Maybe it is best that you go and see your doctor, right? Mm. Um, I'm still and, learning. And have that com- yeah, like, absolutely. I, in fact, on this call, I just learned the ins and outs of suppositories. But um, pardon the pun. But no, I, <laughs> I, I, um, I am every single time I talk to someone in the industry, I pick up new information. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is a. It's it's easy to assume a level of knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where having a community keeps me very grounded. 
<laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, nothing keeps me more humble than this because there is so many people out there that just don't have that knowledge, right? And don't understand the things that we know. Um, mm. And, you know, but yes. Um, going and back and to maybe the they belong to a bikey gang and maybe they sell <laughs> CBD oil on the internet. No, I'm just speculating here. Um, See, that, that was what frustrated me about, and that's probably why I've got a little bit of a, issue with the TGA at the moment is that that person who I'm not going to even give he energy must not to, be named. <laughs> yeah, Voldemort. Um, <laughs> Voldemortcvd.com.au. <laughs> uh, that is so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that individual, for example, it didn't matter that he was selling CBD. He was doing what everyone else is doing, but it was the fact that that person said that his product was TGA approved. That's yeah. That's a big one. That is, that is the issue. That was the only issue might I just add in that whole scenario is that I don't care that you're selling CBD, you and the, all the other people who are selling it. That's, you know, I can't do much about that. But when you go and tell people that your product is TGA approved, that is a concern. The, the only and company that, that can say that is Sativex, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that I had to take on this individual for saying that. And to this day, I do not believe the TGA has ever contacted him about that. They're probably scared, in fairness. You know, party <laughs> gang. They, they don't have um, big kahunas like you, Tegan. So I don't know. <laughs> It is. Well, it's just, I mean, it just, I don't know. I just, uh, that to me was, a, again, a bit backwards, right? Is that we can worry about an image of a plant. Mm. God, everyone from the TGA is going to hate me after this conversation. No, no, I, I've been, you know, whacking the TGA a little bit on, on this. So it's, we're on a, on an, I think a level playing field. And again, I'd like to extend the invite to any listeners from the TGA <laughs> to join the podcast. Um, please yeah. don't repeat recycled slabs of text from your medicinal cannabis portal on your website. We're not interested in that. Please don't tell us to go and speak to a regulatory affairs consultant. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but. Well, no. I think that this is the perfect time to corner um, the TGA when we go to the um, United Compassion event, because yes. I know that the TGA is speaking. So I feel like that Q&A after that conversation, there's going to be a lot of people in that room. It'll be Just like sort of pitchforks, angry mob style, <laughs> except everyone will be from the industry. And <laughs> You're wearing suits. Wearing suits. With yeah. No, is it, um, when is that, by the way? Is that coming up? It's Mar moved. March now, I think. Yeah, March next year. Cool. Yeah, from the 20th to the 22nd, which will be great. Mitch, you need really to bring your, bring your mic. We'll do a little live yeah. United wow. in Compassion. I don't know if I can fit the mic in next next to my pitchfork though. <laughs> Maybe I can get to pay additional baggage. I need a, a, a half mic, half pitchfork. Uh, you know, kind of like a spork or whatever they're called. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see a bunch of um, people in suits yelling at people. In also in suits <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about cannabis. My, it's still some of the things in this industry still make me laugh. Like the fact that I actually can't say the names of products, but um, the fact that you've got doctors now saying, oh, to their patient, maybe you should try insert name of traditional cannabis strain, which is just ridiculous to hear coming out of a doctor's mouth, for example, like, a, you know, 
I don't want to say them for fear of them actually being a product, but um, no, it's you know, a just- strain. It's, it's is it a product if it's just a strain name? Like, are you talking about? You know, I'll I'll be fearless here. So if it, you go to your doctor, you're like, yeah, I'm just just having a, a really tough time with um, some chronic nerve pain, and the doctor's like, I know exactly what you need. You need some. You need you need OG Kush. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just that gets me like thinking about that scenario. Oh, you need Moby Dick. That would be yeah, the yeah. perfect strain for you. Yeah. And it's just like it's like thanks, doc. Yeah. I've always, I, yeah, been looking and, for and don't forget phases. to get a volcano because you're going to need that for the vaping. Yeah, yeah, that's just nine hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, they are good though. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. So I've yeah. heard. Um, yeah. No, I've I've actually tried it. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that uniting compassion. Actually, what what are some of the more Interesting events you've been to, Tegan, with all your experience speaking on boards and or panels. I think that, and this was really the moment that it changed my, I guess, my world was when I went to the MJ Biz Conference, which is for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's the largest cannabis convention in the world um and this was in 2015 i went and there was 1800 exhibitors all in cannabis and i was las vegas in las vegas and i was literally just walking these lanes being like this is insane what like 1800 lps or like extraction um equipment people like about 40 percent of it was just like extraction yeah yeah like infrastructure and the machinery and then the other half was everything from marketing legal um products um anything that you can think of and that was really the turning point for me that i was just like wow like i went i went to it in 2016 it's actually ridiculous that is just yeah just the biggest plate like this hat like airport hangers of just cannabis you know, spruikers, basically everything, cu- cutting machines, oh, robots that pick I stuff. Want to go to this. Yeah, oh, it is. It's awesome. It's wild, and you know, at this time, hemp for for human consumption wasn't even legal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember just walking around, being like, "This is the future." Like, this is, you know, and that was when I really started to get invested into delivery methods because I, again, was super naive. I just thought that cannabis was like smoking a joint or ripping a bong, which is what most people in Australia think of when they think of cannabis. And that was the first time that I ever experienced a transdermal patch. And I was just like, wow, like popping this transdermal patch on, it was microdosing me CBD throughout the day whilst I was, you know, walking around the MJ biz conference and it was incredible. You know, and that's when I learned about suppositories and bath salts and all of these incredible products that I just can't wait to see in Australia because, yeah, yeah, I'm just... And even, even then, if you think about that being six years ago, yeah, I know that we've come a, a way in Australia, but we must be still so far off that point in time in the US in 2015. Yeah, Absolutely. Like we, we've carved a different pathway, but there's just so much potential here in Australia to do some really cool and exciting stuff. I know there's obviously people in the industry who would say that we are, and there's some interesting stuff going on, but I just, I feel like we need to, 
we, we, there are levels beyond where we are that we need to get to. Absolutely. And that's frustrating for, you know, for people, you know, like us that have seen that and experienced that um, and want to be able to, to give that to Australians, right? But we are in the process of, of going through, you know, this, this period. And, you know, that's once again why I always tell people it's like, you know what, the more people that go through the legal system, the more data, the more research that we can collect so that we can take that information to change reform, to legalise, to be able to kind of move this process along faster. Um, and, yeah, but, look, my fingers are crossed that we make some bigger moves in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, especially when it comes to delivery methods um, and just education overall like you said like doctors talking about like strains being like here's an indica or sativa and it's like forget those names Mm. like let's let's concentrate on ratios let's concentrate on like terpenes like yeah i I, i'm I'm like hearing you say that I'm, i'm imagining a doctor could do quite well if they set up a clinic on site at a cultivation facility where they could just literally fetch it from the farm and just be like, yeah, this is what I think you need. Um, anyway, um, that's like dream. sorry, that's me thinking outside the box, totally illegal. I'm sure. Um, it'd be like 50 regulators who'd be very interested in that kind of activity. You'd probably get a reply from the TGA in three days. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been placed yeah. to the front of the queue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd go from six months to probably three months. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lots of TGA whacking on this call. A lot of drive bys, but, um, anyway, I'm sure we'll give them the right of reply and they won't take us up on the offer. Um, before I go, Mitch, did you have any more questions? I, I feel like we'll be checking in with Tegan again if she'll allow us to um, to have her on the, the program again. But, um, yeah, any final queries from you? Well, I think it's very apt. I think Tegan's a great person to speak to about our uh, usual question that we like to finish with, which is legalisation. If you think it's going to happen in Australia, when? Uh, will it be both CBD and THC? Will we get ever close to that kind of American model or will we be maybe more like Europe? What, uh, what are your thoughts? This is such a hard question to answer. Yeah. Um, do I believe legalization will happen? Absolutely. When? I don't know. THC as well? Yeah. I want to believe so. When? Like, Three to five years more. You reckon that soon? I think that, I mean, I just, I, it's more so how it will happen. I don't know if dispensaries will exist in Australia. Mm. That, well, that's mm. for me is the biggest thing is how, how it's going to happen. Well, I mean, you, you've already got adult use in Canberra. Yes. So it's, it's not. Yeah, that whole thing's very backwards. It's like, yeah, you can grow plants in your house and you can do this. However, it's actually illegal to buy cannabis seeds. Yeah, that's the New Zealand model where they have to just fall out of the sky and you can grow them if they're there somehow. Yeah, it's like, okay, right, interesting. It's, it's also the Dutch model where 
you're not allowed to grow cannabis, but you can sell it right. um, in coffee shops. So there's a few places like that that have seemingly contradictory. Uh, All backwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, just- um, yeah. Look, I just don't know. Hmm. I really don't know. Um, All right, C- CBD. Yeah, I think CBD is definitely in three years. I hope it's in three years. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a few people hoping for that. <laughs> um, we're, but we're, yeah. actually hoping, we're actually hoping for every, if it has to go this way, everything other than THC rather than CBD, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, any non-psychoactive right. compounds in the plant, I think, should be, yeah, made available with very minimal access barriers, if any. Um, anyway, that's my two cents. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's what we've all been hoping for, but it needs to be regulated. And mm. that's one thing that I just, I don't think it should be free reign. Yeah. I don't think anyone and everyone should be able to sell it. I think that it has to be regulated to a certain degree. Yeah. And I th- look, I actually, I've always been a fan of the idea of TGO 93 being a, a good benchmark of, of quality standards, but we had, we had Peter Crock from Kangaroo, obviously a huge industry player, and he, he leans more toward um, having a mandatory requirement for GMP for both imported products and, and products made here, which already is the case. So there's, there's differing ideas around how regulated um, products should be. Um, but certainly I think TGO 93 is, is, is a really good benchmark for, for quality standards because people, I think, should have comfort when they take medicinal cannabis regardless of whether or not that product has gone through you know multi-million dollar phase you know phase four clinical trials or whatever i think that they should be able to rely on you know there's not there's there is a, a you know maximum amount of pesticides and all those sorts of things that that people don't want in their medicine so Absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely look and i think there's another conversation to be had for home grows yeah you know i think that they're all well and good however it's not as easy as just planting a seed in the ground and feeding it water right um and it's it really is a hobby it's something that you have to dedicate a lot of time to and it's a long-winded process right Mm. um and most people nowadays get frustrated when something doesn't arrive in their door in three to five business days um there will always be a market for people who need product now um, and yeah. don't want to commit to the growing process. But, sure. yeah, look, I'd love to, love it to be legalised. Maybe five years is a bit of a... <laughs> bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, I, I see um, if it's going to be legalised, I sit in the five to ten year camp for THC at least. Yeah. And probably yeah, three to five for CBD. There's people out there that believe that there'll be dispensaries. Do you think there'll be dispensaries? It, it not in the way that well if thc is legalized yes because it's legalized right yeah so yeah i actually think there will be um you'll a dispensary will just be you know your bottle of yeah a retail we'll environment up, yeah well yeah we'll, co- we'll come up with a, a dispenso in australia no i didn't i say mitch I, I called dibs on the name can murphy's anyway yeah. um, <laughs> well, that was always like a conversation that was had at a period that to have people like West Farmers on board, right? That they designated 30% of their alcohol stores to cannabis because mm-hmm. they have the infrastructure. 
they have the money to be able to, you know, build the security that it needs that, you know, all of those kind of different elements. But also, also repurposing the tobacco industry would be great. Yeah. BAT and Imperial Tobacco, these types. So, you know. Yeah. Well, look, um, I think it's the million dollar question, right? Mm. I mean, everybody wants the answer to that question, but... It's probably a billion-dollar question, actually. Yeah, yeah, true, 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 <laughs> true. But um, who knows? Just one step in, in front of... The other. <laughs> baby steps. It's yeah. baby steps, baby steps. I, yeah, again, as I said, having this platform, it keeps me incredibly humble because I realise that people out there just don't know a lot. You know, people out there are just starting to understand what cannabis is, how it works, Mm. you know, what products are available, um, you know, what's the difference between imported product and Australian product, Mm. you know, little questions like that that I think um, are more important right now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the majority of people I speak to are still like, oh, what, it's it's legal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah it's just it's a long road yeah and it's still you know controversial and you know like i always say cannabis is only controversial because it's complex that's it (laughs) gotta go through the process at the moment of just education Mm. 100 percent. so much to do actually so much to do on that front that's why we're all here chatting Yeah, yeah exactly yeah and we'll do it again if um if we can I just ambush you for another comes. chat. What's that? Get me on when the TGA comes up. <laughs> I feel like we'd have like one of those, you know, the gallery view in Zoom. We could have like 50 people from industry just and this one lone window that belongs to a TGA representative. Um, no, we'll, uh, yeah, we actually will endeavour to try to get someone from the TGA on. I know they have to um, obviously... Uh, that you know they'd be very careful about what they say and they're always very cautious and conservative but uh, it would be good you know there's you find somebody who's ex-tga oh i like that that's good that's really so that good. they can speak out because i you know I, I deal or have dealt with people before who come in and consult on certain projects for clients and their ex-tga so that they can help them through the path are these, are these the um, the regulatory affairs consultants that the current TGA keeps sending me to? Mm. Ah, there's, there's a week there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we can we can talk offline. Figure it out. I have no doubt we will. Um, cool, cool. Well, thank you, Tegan. Any last pearls from you, Mitch, or are we just going to call stumps for now and we'll um, save some more burning questions for the next time? I don't have pearls. Oh, that's true. You don't. No, you've asked a few good ones today, and you're looking. Just sorry, take a quick um, Mitch appreciation session here. He looks great with the the new mic, the headphones. You you look the part, Mitch. And I, and not Thank to you. take away from you, your one AirPod, Tegan looks great. Um, so that's still <laughs> um, still looking I've good. I've actually taken them out. You've taken them, out. and I'm I'm uh, just oh. using. I'm just totally. Um, yeah, She's trying different it. formats. Different formats. She's all about different formats. This Tegan. Yeah, like it. All right. Well, until the next time, just thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure chatting. Um, We'll chat offline and we'll chat also probably on another one of these online again soon. But thank you so much, Tegan. Love all your insights and and your experience and for sharing all of that with us. So 
yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And ditto for creating such an incredible podcast and making education so accessible. Thank yeah. you. We, we're it. actually really enjoying it, to be honest. I mean, look at me. I've got the headphones. I've got the mic. Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. a regular podcaster. All right. Thanks, Tegan. We'll, um, we'll speak again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Cheers. it. Bye. Bye.